Welcome back to your check report. Mark of Lalo in Montreal. Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Mitchell, late yes. in March, Apple and Major League Baseball struck a deal to see the use of iPad Pros by sporting, uh, by the sports coach staff and obviously people in the dugout to make better use of data during the games. Love that. On the line with us right now, Chris Marinak. Chris, your title is Senior VP of Economic and League Strategy, correct? Yes, that's correct. Thank you for joining us this week. Tell us, have the use of iPads begun already in the regular season? And if so, how are they being used? Yeah, each of the clubs has been allocated um, an allotment of iPads. And, um, you know, it varies from club to club, but they're all using it in some form or fashion. And, um, you know, like I said, some, some clubs use it extensively. Other clubs are just kind of dipping their toe in the water. Um, but it's been very well received so far. Hey, Chris, you know, I have sort of a big picture question for you. I mean, more than any other sport, especially for me growing up, baseball has always been wrapped in tradition, rich in tradition. At the same time, you guys are innovating and kind of on the cutting edge of technology now. So how do you find that balance between maintaining the tradition that a lot of old school fans sort of embrace while at the same time engaging an audience and new fans that kind of grew up in the digital age? Yeah, I think it's a balance for us. You know, I think, you know, you want to preserve the elements of, of baseball that make it unique and special, but you also want to keep the game modern and, and you know, up to, up to the latest kind of technology. And, and there's examples of that all throughout the history of baseball, you know, even going back to the early 1900s of, of keeping the game modern. Um, you know, one of the things about baseball relative to the other sports is just how crucial statistics and information has played um, in the game. And that goes all the way back to, to Branch Rickey and even, you know, people well before that. Um, you know, with, with the use of statistics and, and analytics to make decisions in the sport. And, you know, we feel like making this product available to the clubs really only helps um, further that tradition of, of using numbers and information to make decisions. You know, you'll have that ability, you know, as a manager to do that in the middle of the game. Um, you can look at a matchup or you can look at a player and say, hey, you know, let's put this guy in or let's put another guy in. Um, and we think that's a really good um, innovation for the sport. Now, Chris, you know, with any technological advancement, you know, there's always people who are more than happy to embrace it, normally a younger younger generation, and obviously you have older timers who, who you know, rather stick with what they know, but the facts show that once they do finally embrace it, they wonder how they never lived with it. Are you experiencing a lot of that? Because you mentioned that some teams are, are more reticent to use it, whereas some teams are more engaged? Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not necessarily about, about age. It's more about just process. Some clubs have a really... Um, detailed process um, that they use to evaluate decisions during a game. And they can actually print those out in advance, and it's, it's actually easier for them just to kind of pull up a sheet that they've pre-printed because they follow a very rigid formal process, whereas other clubs, you know, are, are sort of more thinking on the fly. And I think the clubs that have, have that process where they're sort of on the, doing a little bit more on-the-fly decision-making, those are the clubs that have really found the value in the iPad thus far. Um, because it, it really allows you to put a wealth of information at your fingertips. Um, you know, and so, th- again, I think by the end of the year, um, you know, we're going to, I think you'll see almost all the clubs have sort of changed their processes to, to include the, the iPad technology, but I think a few, you know, are just, they're just used to having a printout in front of them, and that's, you know, they, don't wanna, they, they haven't had a chance to invest the time and energy to really change things up yet. So right now, Chris, is data limited to their own information? That's something that I read, as opposed to, you know, if you want to see a pitcher that you've never pitched, uh, sorry, a, a, a hitter you've never pitched against, can you see information on other teams or video of that player? Yeah, so the, the teams are able to preload the iPad with pretty much any piece of information that they can get their hands on. And so that includes um, scouting reports, it includes video, and the great thing about the iPad is that you can load information for every player in the major leagues on the iPad. 
it'd be a little tough to do a print out of that. You know, you'd yeah. probably have a hundred <laughs> binders in your dugout if you needed, if you wanted something on every player. Um, but that's the great thing about technology. You can preload it with every single player in the big leagues. And so, you know, you're, you're prepared in advance. If there's a guy that gets called up at the last minute or a pitcher that you didn't expect to be available, you can have that information on the iPad. Whereas if you printed out a scouting report three hours before the game, you know, you may have overlooked that person. And that's, that's going to be one of the big pieces of value that I think really, really encourages clubs to use this um, new technology. Now, now, why preloaded versus real-time information? Is it just a matter of not having to worry about getting stuff mid-game? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't want to, you know, have issues with, you know, uh, you know affecting the competition, meaning, um, you know, you're looking at uh, stealing signs from another team, or, you know, on, a vid- on video, or the general manager is uh, communicating directly with the manager during the game, hey, take this guy out, hey, put this guy in. You know, things that have really not been historically part of the game. We didn't want to open the door to things that, you know, we historically haven't done in the past. But at the same time, we wanted to make, you know, allow for more decision, you know, uh, efficient decision making within the framework of what's already been in place. And so the example I gave where, you know, you have access to, you know, m- many more players at your fingertips, that's a good example of, you know, a situation where, a manager may have been forced to make a decision previously without complete information. Now he may have that information, and that's the type of use case that we are really looking to to handle. Chris, on some level, I can almost see, and I'm looking. I'm trying to look this also as as a fan. I've been a baseball fan for years. A Mets fan. I know. I can't talk about last year. Last year's last year. Uh, but when when fans actually see, and I know this is, this is taking a sort of a different direction, but when fans see the use of an iPad in the dugout, there's something about it. Especially, you know, talking about the younger the younger fans that we talked about earlier. There's sort of like a bonding experience. They were like, "Hey, look, they're using the same tools in their game that I get to experience the game with using my major league app." If I'm listening to the game, which I love, by the way, it's really kind of a bonding thing where the fans see you have access to the same information that these coaches and managers have. It's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, I think it really bridges the, the generations to be able to look on the field and say, hey, you know, I can do that too. Um, exactly. You know, whether it's equipment, you know, kids love to use the same glove, bat, you know, ball that major leaguers use. They love to right. wear the same jersey. And this is just another example of that where it really makes you feel like you're part of the game. You can, you can have that ex- same experience that, that a major leaguer can have. And I think, you know, the commissioner has made engaging with young kids a really important priority of his um, to, to grow the fan base, to grow our next generation of our fan base. And, I mean, to your point, this is a great way to do that. You know, it, it shows that we're modern, we're connected, that, um, you know, uh, something that uh, younger kids can really identify. And I think that was an, another positive benefit of, of making this move. You know, Chris, as an organization, Major League Baseball really has been on the cutting edge of, of every new technology. We're talking about Apple iBeacons in actual Major League parks. When you talk about just the apps itself and the accessibility to that information, you guys really are a step above everybody else to the point that other leagues are actually coming to you guys to, to find ways to you know, incorporate that kind of stuff. What kind of other technological innovation do you see within the league that could change the way we watch the game or the way we experience it? Well, the, the biggest change that just happened, you know, last year as well, is the new Statcast system, and so that provides, you know, really in-depth tracking of players um, all across the field. So you can see, you know, all nine guys on the field plus the batter, you know, where they're going, any of the any of the runners where they're going, and track pretty much any action that happens on the field. And that's a really really cool technology um, that you're just starting to see more and more of this year. Um, but you know, I think the I think the things that that in terms of technology, you know, we have. 
um, MLB.com, which was founded in 2000. They've been around for over 15 years, and they've really been at the heart of the innovation in baseball. Um, from, to your point, the, the, the app on the iPad where you can watch or listen to a game, um, you know, all the way down to something like this, the dugout iPad. And I think as, as more technology comes forward, um, you know, whether it's wearable technology or other, you know, new technology features, BAM always knows about them before we do. <laughs> um, and so they're always, they're, they're always throwing ideas out there and suggesting new ways to make the game, you know, more fun and more innovative. And so um, we're really lucky to have them uh, in, in our, at our disposal. And you can see, you know, other, other leagues like the NHL, for example, has partnered with MLB.com yeah. um, to help get, you know, add some of those features to hockey. So um, I think you'll see in the next couple of years that that continues to grow. Chris, one of the things I wanted to bring up and that Mark and I were kind of excited to ask you about and talk to you about is virtual reality. And it's getting a lot of attention now. All these new headsets have been released, but there are so many applications that have nothing to do with gaming that we think can move entertainment and sports forward. For example, you know, we just heard that the Tampa Bay Rays are using virtual reality for batting cages with virtual batting cages. Do you see that technology advancing and at the same time even possibly getting virtual tickets to games so fans that can't be there in person can still feel like they're at the ballpark. Are these sort of the innovations that we may see moving forward? Yeah, you know, virtual reality is a, is a big area of growth over the last couple of years, certainly. And I think when you look into the future, that's probably one of the biggest areas that, that you're going to see a lot of technology development. And, and, you know, the great thing about our clubs is that they jump on, on something to try to get a competitive edge. And they want to be the first to try something because if they can make their players better or more effective, um, they want to do it. And so, you know, Virtual reality, the same kind of thing. It lets you you can you can face any pitcher in the major leagues without him actually being there. You know, the day <laughs> That's before. It's awesome. So yeah. you know, you put on the goggles and you say, oh, who, "Who am I facing tomorrow?" And up up pops the life uh, you know lifelike replica of that pitcher. And so you can track balls. You can get a sense of where the arm slot is and the release is. And so you know, I see that as only being a positive for our guys to help them be more prepared for games. Um, and and the the great thing about virtual reality that you guys you know even mentioned earlier is that you know, it's really easy to take that to the fan. Um, yes. So it's not just only available for the major leaguer and it's exclusive, but it's, it's, we, can, we can take that same technology and, and have a fan at home say, hey, I, I want to fl- face Clayton Kershaw. Let me step in and see what it's like. <laughs> and I think that's another way to really kind of appeal to the younger audience, which is something we're really trying to do. Absolutely. We just recently had some time with Samsung's Gear VR, which is only $99, which is certainly accessible you know, to the average person in terms of price point. And one of the things they had were these virtual tickets where you could be at a sporting event or a concert. And until you actually put, a, you know, put these goggles on with the phone in there, you don't realize what an immersive experience. And for some people that can't actually get to the ballpark, and for me, being a New Yorker that's actually living in Los Angeles now, I still feel that New York bond and being able to put on those goggles and actually be in my, you know, at City Field, I mean, it really is a powerful thing and i think people really need to try it to see what an experience something like that is yeah the technology is a lot a lot better than than it was even just a couple years ago and so i think um you're going to start seeing that once people try it they're going to realize how good it is and um there's only going to be more and more innovation in this area the quality is only going to get better and better right and the experience is only going to get more immersive and um you know that's a great thing for sporting events because it's really hard as you say for for somebody to come to the ballpark every single night um but if you can you know, have the convenience of that experience at home. Uh, it just makes it just makes it that much more of an opportunity to engage with the sport, which is what we're looking to do. 
Chris, congratulations on all the success, and uh, we look forward to seeing all the innovation that you guys bring to us down the road as it grows. Thanks for yep, joining sounds us. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. Chris Marinek, Senior Vice President of Economic and League Strategy with Major League Baseball. Follow us online at Twitter. It's at YourTechReport, Facebook.com slash YourTechReport, and of course, contact us, contact at YourTechReport.com. Back in a moment. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.